Servant Leadership Institute podcast. My name is Brian Malinsky, digital media specialist for SLI. So today I have seated with a, with me our director of content and curriculum, Carol Malinsky, who yes is my mom. Uh, good afternoon, Carol. Good afternoon, son. It's nice to see you. <laughs> Very nice to see you. So today we're going to talk about the topic of power and how it is misused as um, as how it can be a real asset if we take it from the servant leader's perspective, but um, sometimes people don't. So both of us have had the experience of working in power-driven organizations, organizations where uh, power was wielded as a weapon against people and used to create fear in order to get a desired result. Um, Carol, can you give us an example right off the bat of, um, from your experience, some, some organization where you've had to deal with this kind of a leadership style? Oh, absolutely. Um, I, I could probably come up with multiple, as I think most people can if yes. they've worked for any time at all. But um, I guess I would start with my experience um, prior to working for Daytron World Communications and that experience was um, interesting in that I had relocated from the Bay Area and needed a job in materials management and finally found one. And um, it was actually a job that was much uh, less of a position than I had had in the Bay Area. I was in management in the Bay Area, and this was an individual contributor's kind of slot. Um, And the people that were product managers in this organization literally ran roughshod over people. And one day, lo and behold, it was my turn to get literally screamed at in a gentleman's office over something that really was not my fault. Wow. And I can remember driving home that day in tears, and it was a long drive, so there was (laughs) lots of tears. Oh, no. But it was the day that I decided that I'd had enough. Oh. And I uh, ended up quitting that particular job and finding another job at Daytron World Communications. Now, interestingly enough, little did I know that at the time, um, Daytron was not owned by Art Barter. Mm-hmm. And the environment was extremely different Mm. so I never knew what kind of a leader I was going to meet each day when I walked in the office Uh. was this person going to be angry screaming was this person going to be just absolutely fine and peaceful Mm -hmm. was this person going to need me to counsel them because they were having whatever kind of issues they were having Mm. so it was a total roller coaster And the organization was uh, just really, really dysfunctional. And it was a very hard environment to work in. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, I can remember just sitting at my desk being absolutely miserable Mm -hmm. until um, I had the good fortune of meeting Mr. Barter. And he had, again, the good fortune um, to be able to purchase Daytron and begin this 
conversion, if you will, into servant leadership. Mm. But yeah, I've I've definitely experienced some real buttes, as they say, as far as people <laughs> wielding their power for power. One point I wanted to make about this person that I worked for was when I had an issue or had a problem or didn't know how something worked, mm-hmm. they would jump in and fix it, which mm-hmm. is great, mm-hmm. but they wouldn't tell me how to fix it. Mm-hmm. So they kept the power. Yes. And were not willing not willing to give it away in any sense of the word so you remain as an employee you know you feel like very diminished for one thing and you feel like this person doesn't trust you um how are you ever going to succeed at what you're doing if you don't know how to do it yourself if you remain dependent on them yeah it sounds to me like the uh, a negative byproduct of our uh, that famous slogan that knowledge is power. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. you, you need to be able to give give your knowledge away in order right. for people to be able to do their job correctly. Right. And not rely on you. Yeah. <laughs> well, I know just because we're related to one another that you've had some pretty negative experiences as well. Yes. Um, share some of that with us today. Yeah, I think the obviously the main difference between you and I is I'm still fairly early on in my career path. So I'm 29 now, and so going into my first few jobs in my you know in in my career, mm-hmm. um, they would be in retail or I would be in a shipping department at a warehouse um, or, or things like that, and. A lot of the time, I would end up um, uh, getting, um, you know, partnered up with a leader who um, used their role to intimidate um, and to wanted to uh, would almost come into work needing to feel validation through um, mm-hmm. throwing their weight around. Yeah, um, and uh, it just ended up being very counterproductive and. Um, yeah, just made it be a very toxic environment to mm-hmm. be in. Um, I know that uh, one in particular being in a in a in a retail role. Um, you know, if if there's a store manager and you want to get to know naturally get to know your boss, and uh, you know you're spending six hours a day with this person, you know you're trying to, uh, you know, just build relationship, build good rapport, and um, talk. You know talk shop or just, you know, talk general interests to try and relate to somebody else. Mm-hmm. Um, and for them to stay completely stoic and, yeah. you know, wanting to completely divide you from them, um, that's really difficult. And for them to basically right off the bat establish that we are not going to be friends and we shouldn't be friends. And mm-hmm. that's a philosophy that certain people right. have when they're in a work environment that you there should be a very very distinct separation between work relationships and when you're at work you're almost a robot that doesn't <laughs> doesn't need to um, have any any relational aspect to it just do your job get it done and leave and um, you need to know who I am and who your superiors are and that's about it mm-hmm. um, and then th- in the in the shipping department as well there was a there was um, uh, in, in a different job uh, there was a clear 
um, line that was that divided people who worked in sales and and worked inside um, mm-hmm. and who worked out on the floor in the warehouse. Right. Um, so much so that that salespeople would go to lunch together. You know, there was there were so many different little subgroups that there was no unity in that kind of an organization. Mm-hmm. You know, you you felt connected with the people that you were immediately working with. The other guys that were stocking the their warehouse, the warehouse shelves and things like that. But when it came to the organization as a whole, we couldn't be more divided. Right. And so that's unfortunately a really bad byproduct of not of of leaders not you know, creating an environment for people to link up and get to know each other and really encourage people to get to know everybody in an organization, regardless of what their position is. Right. So those people that were in management or sales or something like that on the other side from the warehouse, if I can put it that way, Mm -hmm. they have the power. Mm -hmm. Right. But did you find that the folks in the warehouse would exert their own type of power? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that that's kind of what, when you when you have an environment that breeds that, um, within your own personal position, you can find something that you can control. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. so it's little sub-compartments of power that everybody <laughs> tries to hold on to. And when... Uh, pushed in a, in a negative way, you want to restrict or restrain your power against someone else. So if those salespeople just made a really great sale that wasn't scheduled, maybe it was just a cold call from some place that really wanted our product. And they go, oh my gosh, yeah, totally. You know, this is, this is going to boost my sales numbers for the year. I'm going to get great commission. My boss is going to be so happy. Um, I'm really bettering the organization as a whole. Mm-hmm. They go right out to the warehouse, and we are, in all intents and purposes, you know, a, an integral role in getting the product to the customer, obviously. Right. And what if our priorities are completely different than that salesperson at that particular time? All of the production stops. And you end up having to do some sort of bartering, you know, <laughs> uh, yes. some sort of uh, weird interaction of, hey, man, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll buy you lunch or, you oh. know, or, you know, whatever, yeah. whatever it is so that the salesperson can get what the salesperson wants. Mm-hmm. And also the shipping person maybe feels like they need to let go of the the reins of their power a little bit um but within that interaction and in that scenario somebody's losing and that's kind of unfortunate as well because it never should be like that there never should be that that uh you know mindset going into it from from the get-go and i think that that's just the establish the uh, establishing good rapport within the environment itself from the get-go. Yeah, we'll we'll talk a little bit more about that um, later in the podcast because I we we want to discuss later um, the power of relationships, mm-hmm. and I think that really and trust, and I think that really comes into play here. Mm-hmm. So, 
I, I, I want to go further into it and where, where we really base this podcast off of is, is since you are the director of content and curriculum, Carol, you are responsible for writing most of the blogs that live um, on the SLI website. And today I thought we can go and talk through a few um, in particular that involve the topic of power. And the most recent and the one that catches my eye the most is um, one that's titled, It's All About the Power, Hummingbird Wars. Uh, so you wrote a blog all about your observations of two little hummingbirds having a battle royale in your backyard um, over which would rule the hummingbird feeder. Um, who would have the power over the food it held? And, um, and also that got me thinking about the idea of power in business and its relationship to, uh, relationship to servant leadership and mm-hmm. its philosophy. Um, so let's talk a little bit about that for our audience. Can you kind of expand on or divulge and explain the, the, the story behind that? Sure. I literally was sitting there staring out the window and the feeder is right outside the kitchen window. And, you know, my mother-in-law gave me this feeder some years ago and, um, I think I kind of considered it as just another chore I had to take care of. (laughs) So I didn't pay all that much attention to it. Mm -hmm. But um, lately, I had been, I mean, the woman, bless her heart, even gives me the food for the feeder, okay? Yes. (laughs) Specialized sugar water. Yes. So I finally broke down and was putting it in in a fairly regular, putting food in there in a fairly regular basis. And I noticed these two little hummingbirds, and every time one would stick his beak into the um, feeder Mm -hmm. to get food, the other one would basically dive bomb him. Oh. And so (laughs) they went into this, I mean, just back and forth and back and forth over this feeder. Now there are four places in the feeder, four feeding stations, and there's only two hummingbirds. Two hummingbirds at this point. So they're fighting over four feeders yeah and in the meantime as I'm watching it occurred to me that neither one of them was getting fed yeah they were too busy fighting so so (laughs) it was it was the ultimate you know no win kind of situation so um anyway bottom line is I decided to write a blog about that because I started thinking about just that struggle for power and how nobody was winning in the end. And I, I think that says so much about some of this jockeying for power that we do in organizations. Mm-hmm. You know, nobody really ultimately comes out um, the winner. Yeah, yeah. And it's a very counterproductive process, it sounds like. Yeah. So what do we give up... In, in your opinion, when we seek to have power over others? Well, first of all, I think we need to, to clarify something that, you know, we need to have leadership. Oh, definitely. Right? We, we've got to have leadership. Somebody has to have the quote-unquote power. Um, leaders provide guidance for people, inspiration for them. They provide hope. They're the ones really who... Um, set the vision in place and keep people moving to accomplish that mission. So it's a very valuable thing, this concept of leadership. Mm -hmm. Um, What we're talking about when we talk about power is 
the command and control kind of power where you will do what I say because my title says this. And while you may not come out and say that to people, that's the attitude you express. Mm -hmm. People are there to fulfill your wishes, whatever, you know, to make you look good. Mm -hmm. And that's not a servant leader. No. And that's not what the Institute is trying to get across to that big world out there, that we've tried this kind of, of power before. We've tried that kind of leadership. It's not working, <laughs> okay? People are more disengaged than ever. Mm-hmm. Um, and hopefully, you know, we can turn that around. It's part of what we're trying to do. Yes. When we exert power over others, there are some things that we give up. And one of them is we miss the opportunity to be fed by other people. Mm. And by that I mean, you know, you set people free. They feel trusted and valued and comfortable. They're going to come out with some marvelous solution to, solutions to things. Yeah. There is nobody better at coming up with answers than the people that are actually doing the work. Yes. And so you miss all that. You miss the opportunity to listen to them. You miss the opportunity for their input. Mm-hmm. And so that's really a, a one major, major thing you miss. You also miss building positive, trusted relationships. Mm. And your example of talking about how the warehouse worked when the sales guys would come with orders. You know, if you had trusted relationships between those people, Mm -hmm. they wouldn't have to go through this negotiation process when a hot order comes in. No. Everybody would know, oh, wow, we got a hot order. This is really cool. The company's going to make more money. I'm going to get to keep my job longer because the company's going to make more money. And we're all working toward the same goal here. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to do this for this guy over here because he asked me to. Mm -hmm. And I know that he's a straight shooter. Mm -hmm. He's not going to, you know, tell lie to me, tell me, you know, extravagant, extrapolated stories. Mm -hmm. Um, He's going to shoot straight, put his cards on the table, let me know what he needs, and I'm going to fulfill it to the best of my ability. If I need clarification of what I do first, I know that I can go to my leadership, Mm -hmm. and they're going to tell me, they're going to help me set priorities. Yes. So you really, those positive, trusting relationships are just, I mean, they're key. Yes. To any organization to work well. Yes, definitely. And and to add, I think that a, a major dilemma there is that takes true dedication. Mm-hmm. That takes a lot of uh, a lot of time spent developing relationships, making sure that you get to know your people, mm-hmm. and then you know the the byproduct or the end goal is that random sales order that comes down the line that random circumstance (laughs) where uh, you need your people to go above and beyond for you yeah, or vice versa. They need you to go above and beyond for them. And that's not how much people get paid. 
that's not how you know great and how many amenities they get mm -hmm. with their job that's, right. that's I know who this person is because we have spent time together mm -hmm. I know you know I know some personal things about him or her um, I know what their goals are mm -hmm. what their vision is <laughs> what they believe in all of those things and we have commonalities yeah but you don't get there and you don't get to know those things unless you put yourself out there first as leader and say hey this is you know I'm I'm giving me giving you some of me you know mm -hmm, let's mm -hmm. go ahead and you know let's just start there yeah. you know <laughs> and you know or yeah so that's that's really really important to do and um, the other thing is just to add one more thing to that mm -hmm. Brian is you know when you have to struggle so hard to maintain your power mm -hmm. it's flat out exhausting yes because you live in a constant state of wondering who's going to come and try and take my power away from me. Yeah. You know, yeah. so you've always got the adrenaline is always going. You're always trying to second guess people or you're mm -hmm. asking questions like, oh, what, what did they really mean by that? Mm hmm. You know. Oh, definitely. Um, why are they sitting there, you know, next to the VP instead? That's my seat. Yes. You know, yes. things like that. It's absolutely exhausting for people and, and it can't be good for their physical health or their psychological health. So even if you put it on those really personal terms like that, mm -hmm. um, you know, having the right attitude and the right application of power in your leadership style is is vital. It's critical. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And then the, the, so I think you had a third one that it's just like, it's this, this idea of, um, or, ad, or rather this question of why do you think people are so afraid of giving up their power? What's at stake for them yeah. that they think they can't live without? Yeah. Well, I think there's a couple of really basic things. One of them is, is particular um, to the world today mm -hmm. and has been for, I guess, some time. Um, hopefully won't always be that way, but I think people are afraid of being taken advantage of. Mm -hmm. um, they're afraid of somehow people looking and thinking that they're weak so they can, you know, step in and take advantage. Um, and, you know, it, it could have, they could have experienced it in the past where they were, you know, really dealt a raw deal over something. Yeah. Um, but at the heart of it, I think maybe, I mean, I'm certainly not a psychologist, but insecurity uh. in some ways causes people to believe that maybe, maybe in their heart of hearts, they question whether they really deserve the position that they have. I see. Yes. I've talked to people about this, other speakers about this, and it's called the uh, imposter syndrome. Mm. And um, it's quite prevalent, apparently, um, among people who don't really feel like they deserve the position that they have. Mm. Um, they could be afraid that if they give up their power and lose control of the group or the team or whatever it may be, that chaos somehow will ensue mm -hmm. and nothing will get accomplished. So they feel like they have to... Um, hold on to that power position but you know power isn't in short supply there were 
four feeders on the hummingbird thing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there was plenty of room for everybody. And, you know, if we could change our perspectives to a servant leader perspective, we use a behavior and teach a behavior called increasing your influence. And what that really means is that power that you have, because you may have some knowledge that someone else doesn't have, Mm -hmm. Um, you may have a skill, a talent, um, really spreading that, being willing to share that, reaching Mm -hmm. out and pulling somebody else in to show them, to teach them, to mentor them. Mm -hmm. So this idea of of power and being control, in if you turn that to a positive, you really um, are talking about increasing your influence, and yes. it can be just dynamite as a leader if you are able to do that for people. Yes, definitely. And a way that um, you know you leave—it's a legacy. You can leave a legacy that way. Yes, definitely. Well, and you're growing your people along with your growth sure. as well. Um, which I think is really, really important. There was something that you had said before of people not feeling, in, with this imposter syndrome, not feeling like they're cut out for the role that they're in. Yeah. And needing to kind of fake it mm-hmm. and continue to fake it until they make it, hopefully. Um, and I think that a, a big thing underlying there is what we strive to, to tell people, a, a good thing that a leader does is trying to bring out the gifts in their people. So yes. bring, out, bring out what people are truly good at. And what ends up happening some of the time <laughs> is you end up finding out that the positions that you have your people in may not be where they actually excel in or what they're really passionate about. What if your mm-hmm. accountant is actually a really, really good artist and yeah. he just never, yeah. he or she never really got around to getting their graphic design degree or anything like that. But what you end up doing is you end up not promoting off of seniority, but you end up promoting from this idea of, oh, this is what this person is really passionate about. They will learn how to do this and they will be the best at doing that. And I think that that kind of combats the imposter syndrome a little bit. Because what if people are getting promoted into what they truly excel at doing and do the best way possible? And that's a whole structure change (laughs) right there. But when you do that, um, I think you have less of that and you have a little bit less of this this imposter syndrome, I have all this power and, and... you know, I don't even know what to do with the power that I have. Or, you know, so I don't want to give it away because I'll become obsolete, you know. <laughs> um, so, yeah, definitely. I, I, I definitely think that there's something to that as well. So going into another question, how can we think about power in a positive way? Because it has such a negative connotation right now with us. Mm-hmm. So how can we switch that and, do it and look at it as what it should be as being something very, very positive? Sure. I think the answer here is to think of power in terms of adding value. The everyday thought about power is that it's negative or something to be envied from a wealth standpoint. But what if we thought about it as adding value to people? Mm. I want to have the power to add value to my organization or my family. 
A great example of this, I think, there's a, there's a couple of folks I can think of that, that give us a good example of this. Mother Teresa, for example. Mm. Um, everyone knows the name. They know, at least most people, I believe, know that um, she started a ministry in Calcutta, India, dealing with helping um, poor people to die with dignity. Um, and then she and her um, and her nuns and her organization would deal with people in the most abject, abject poverty, people that were not even recognized as humans um, in some some ways. Um, and they worked with them. Mother Teresa can go and talk to any leader. Oh, I'm sorry, she has passed away, was able to go and mm-hmm. talk to any mm-hmm. leader in the world, and the door would be open to her. Yes. She's quoted, world-renowned. That's a lot of power. <laughs> mm-hmm. But she didn't have a lot of money, mm-hmm. and she didn't have a lofty position, but she was a very, very powerful person, mm-hmm. and a person that remains powerful after she's left this earth. Mm-hmm. The other person I think of, of course, is Nelson Mandela, who was imprisoned for many years, as everyone knows, but again, same type of situation. Um, actually, you could say both sides of that because he later became the head of the government. Mm. Um, but when he wasn't, and he was just thrown into jail, basically, for fighting against apartheid, um, very powerful man. Mm. Again, a situation where any leader anywhere would talk to Nelson Mandela. Mm-hmm. Um, so power exerted in a very positive positive manner um yeah and you know what 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 just came to my mind is that when i don't typically hear that description of those two people as them being powerful rather i i hear (laughs) that that they're influential yes you know that they are uh, major people of influence yeah but in this regard, influence and power are interchangeable. Mm-hmm. I think that power, unfortunately, these days, in that regard, has a negative connotation to it. Mm-hmm. Because when you hear of a powerful leader um, or a person who is very powerful, um, for whatever reason, whether it's because of characters in movies or in stories or in reality, it has a bit of a negative Mm-hmm. feel to it but influential and I think that that's that's why increasing your influence is such a great thing that we have on our nine behaviors that we yeah. you know we tell people because increasing your influence just kind of means sharing your power mm-hmm. you know so that's really really cool and so can you give the audience a little rundown of another story because right after you did this hummingbird wars blog you followed it up with this SLI blog called Serving with Tada. <laughs> and I think that this is a great uh, example of people that are adding value to anyone that they come into contact with. So can you give a little rundown on that, on that blog and what that blog was about? Sure, sure. Well, it was, uh, as <laughs> it was my husband's birthday. <laughs> and we decided to go for Chinese food to a local restaurant, 
been in the area for years and occasionally when we go for Chinese food that's where we go and uh, we had a wonderful Chinese waitress who was um, new to America um, I can't remember how long she said she had been here but she was practicing her English by working in the restaurant mm. and her name was Ivy and she called herself Ivy because no one none of us folks could <laughs> pronounce her Chinese name. Oh, gotcha. So every time she would bring a plate of food to the table, she would set it down and say, ta-da. And of course, we laughed and we thought this was the cutest <laughs> thing. And she would, she continued to do this mm. for about four or five plates of, you know, platters of food. And... Um, Finally, she said, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to say that anymore because I guess she was afraid that somehow it was bothering us. Mm. And I said, oh, I said, Ivy, don't you worry. I said, you, don't, you know, you're, you're not offending us at all, but I want you, you know, when you bring the check, <laughs> to bring it with, ta-da. <laughs> and so, and she did, and we laughed about it. And I thought to myself, you know, that's so cool that she would put the food down and say, ta-da, meaning, you know, here's the best we have to offer. Yeah. We've done a great job, and we hope you enjoy this. Mm -hmm. And I thought to myself, you know, when I got ready to write this blog, I thought, what if everything we did for our for our leaders, for our bosses, when we go to turn some piece of work in, what if we put it in the inbox with ta-da? Mm. Wouldn't that be awesome? It would, if nothing else, might get a chuckle out of our boss. Um, but the real meaning is that it is very simple. That whatever we do, we do it to the best of our ability. Mm. We do it answering the question in our own minds how do I add value today mm -hmm. what can I do that's going to add value to somebody and boy if we could do that to every, with every meeting we walk into with every encounter we have with the people we work with what a difference it would make and if everybody had that attitude mm -hmm. boy we would be just making great strides at whatever kind of projects we're working on, whatever kind of goals we're trying to achieve. So this idea of adding value really is a, a way of expressing the power that you have, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you're, it's a very positive answer to that question of being powerful. Mm -hmm. And that's my way to do it. You yeah, know, it was Ivy's way. It was the cook's way of saying, "Here, I'm giving you this. I made it with the best of my ability. Mm -hmm. Here's my power." Mm -hmm. So that's what it was all about. Yeah, and I, I don't, I don't think that there, that there's a huge difference between doing that and doing something and showing off, right? You know, oh, yeah. you're, she's not saying ta-da as in, you know, feast, you know, be, behold, we are the best <laughs> Chinese restaurant in town. 
But yeah, I think that that's such a valuable thing that you did say. I mean, when you're writing an email, are you writing an email so that you can get it off your plate and I've written it and, you know, jot things down (laughs) and check and move on? Or do you, do you, do you reread your emails? Do you reread your emails before they go out and just make sure that I, I have practiced adding value by being as communicative and clear in my response to whatever email that I get so that the other person on the other line has no doubt, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. I love people who write emails like that. You know, um, I try and do that all the time, you know, when I'm, when we're, you know, talking to people, especially people who aren't, don't, don't, aren't internal, you know, you have to be very communicative to these people because I don't want to slow them down by having to write me back with clarifying questions, Mm -hmm. you know, so it's simple things like that. If you're not, you know, if you're, if you're just in the office of what you can do to try and add value to other people. Yeah, it doesn't matter what role you have. Mm -hmm. You know, the the things you create, Mm -hmm. whatever the deliverable is for what you do in your role, it can always be done with that attitude of how am I going to add value? Yeah, I mean, even making copies, you know, the person that makes the copies on the copy machine. Yes. You know, can do it with that same kind of attitude. Yeah, definitely. And it would radically change the way we do business. Definitely. Yeah, going into into any environment or going into any workday and, and looking at your peers and going, how can I help you out today? Mm-hmm. Not, I'm going to take your work away from you and I'm going to do your work. That's not no. the case. But most of the time it's just, let's be as optimal and as, as cognizant of other people while we're doing our work so that... You know, them relying on me pays, you know, it, it pays in a positive way. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it really helps them out because they can start, they slowly start relying on you more and more and more, but not, you know, and, and uh, you know, that trust builds and the relationship grows and all that fun stuff as well. Yeah. You know, so adding value is very, very important. Yeah. So what would you tell people who want to be a powerful servant leader? Who, want, who, who wants to show their power correctly as a servant leader, use their power the right way? Well, a few things, actually. <laughs> um, real power comes from adding value mm-hmm. and increasing your influence. Mm. So use the power of listening. Mm. I can't tell you how much I've learned and I'm still learning about really listening to people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I always thought I was a great leader. And then it was actually through my dealing with you, quite frankly, uh-huh. that I understood that I was not being a good listener. Mm. Um, and I had to do something about that. Um, you know, if you're listeners out there, if you're answering emails at the same time you're listening to your folks talk to you, stop <laughs> okay turn away from the keyboard yes and actually look people in the face ask them questions there's a couple of statements you can make that are very effective um, tell me more mm-hmm. 
and help me understand. Mm -hmm. And those will go miles when you're dealing with people. If they feel like they're listened to, Mm. then their feelings are validated, whatever it may be over. Oh, definitely. And um, so I I can't emphasize enough the value, the power of listening to people. Another is to use the power of trust. And we talked about that a little bit earlier in in the episode, but I can't tell you how important trust is with trust as Stephen M. R. Covey would say everything goes faster and costs less Mm -hmm. and when you have distrust you do things like Brian just gave me these numbers but I don't really trust him so I don't really trust that the numbers are right so I'm just going to go back and look at it myself yes so we all end up doing things over and over again because we don't trust one another Um, That is not effective. I think we can all agree on that. Mm -hmm. Um, And and trust is tough because some people struggle over this this issue. I don't know you, so how can I trust you? Mm -hmm. And what we had to learn as we went through servant leadership training and transformation at Daytron was that there is such a thing as business trust. Uh, I'm going to trust you because you work here like I work here. You want the company to succeed, mm, and mm -hmm. so do I. So I'm going to go ahead and extend trust to you until you show me you don't deserve it. So I make that decision first. Yes. I'm going to go ahead and extend that trust. If I end up getting hurt, basically, because you betray my trust, then we've got a different issue. Yes. And hopefully we can work on regaining the trust over time. Mm -hmm. But I've got to extend it first. Yes. Interesting. You know, or it just, or it's not, you know, things aren't going to work. Yeah. Um, and then finally, I would say, you know, the, use the power of relationships. And again, we talked about this um, when you were giving the warehouse example, how key relationships are. You know, all of this, this you know, increasing your influence and adding value. Relationships are key. There, we did a little experiment um, at Daytron some years ago where... We were asked as a management team to build a relationship with someone that we would not ordinarily hang out with. Yeah. And the whole object was to start having to go to coffee with this person or go to lunch with this person and not to focus so much on the work stuff, but on the personal stuff mm-hmm. and on, on building a relationship. So I picked the person who led our finance group at the time because mm-hmm. I was in materials management. Finance had a very important role, but I didn't really get finance. Oh, gotcha. Right? Mm-hmm. So it was kind of a foreign land to me. And so um, that was the person that I chose. Mm-hmm. And we would get together once a month and have coffee or go to lunch together. And over time, you know, I learned about his uh, son and he learned about, you know, you and... Um, now 
here's what happens. Prior to that kind of relationship building, if I needed something from this person, I might, I might go see them. I'd probably send them an email. <laughs> um, but it would be kind of awkward. I wouldn't really understand. I wouldn't feel comfortable saying, hey, I don't get this. Mm-hmm. Because I had no relationship with the person, yes. so I would be afraid they'd judge me. Yeah. So I wouldn't admit, you know, that I didn't fully get it. But now, I've built a relationship. Mm-hmm. Now I can go into the office, sit down in a chair, and say, "Boy, so and so, I am really confused by this financial report. Can you help me understand it?" Mm. And he'd say, "Well, sure, of course." Um, so it's the relationship that makes the business work that much more smoothly mm-hmm. when people really, you know, when they care about one another. Yeah. And so you're working with a friend now. Yes. Not, you know, a stranger. Mm-hmm. So that those relationships and building relationship and, and do things, you can do things in your organization to foster that. We were required to go have coffee with that person. Yes. You know, um, maybe some, you know, a lot of organizations might not be comfortable with that. But I think sometimes, you know, you need to do things like that to kind of get people thinking in the right way, in a different way, opening their minds to to the possibilities. Mm -hmm. So um, anyway, those are the things I would say, you know, a, a lot of this that we're talking about is actually found in our nine behaviors that we teach in our curriculum. Yes. And um, they are defined in Art's book, The Servant Leadership Journal, but also um, we have a little rack card that has them listed, a reference card. And if you're, you know, if anybody in the audience is interested in that, um, you can email us at info at servantleadershipinstitute.com and we'd be happy to send you out a card that has all nine of the behaviors on it. Nice. Very nice. So it sounds like a good way to think about power is that it gives you the ability to add value to people and also to your organization as a whole. Mm -hmm. So from that, do you kind of have any final words for our, our servant leaders that are listening to us right now on this podcast? Yeah, I would just say that if we all thought about it in that way, that it's adding value and increasing your influence Maybe we wouldn't be constantly fighting for power when there's plenty of room at the feeder, just as there was for those hummingbirds. Very nice. Very nice. Well, Carol, (laughs) thank you again so much for sitting down with us and being able to talk power with me (laughs) today. It was a power talk. Yeah, it was a powerful conversation. (laughs) And so um, for now, for all, all you listeners, if you want any more information on SLI, what we're about and what we have to offer, just go ahead and visit our website. That's ServantLeadershipInstitute.com. Um, we have downloadable uh, podcasts there as well as invitations to upcoming webinars. And also we have, an, uh, we have advertisements for our upcoming Servant Leadership Conference yes. in February which is going to be extremely exciting. We're so mm-hmm. excited. Um, and so that's going to be next February, this upcoming February, 19th and 20th. And uh, we have uh, just a, a bang-up um, team of uh, speakers that are going to be at the event. 
Um, our founder and CEO, Art Barter, is going to be on stage um, giving some great talks. So we really hope that you guys can register and we can meet you face to face. We love to that. we love to meet with you guys. And so for for now, from the Servant Leadership Institute podcast, we say thank you and thank you so much for allowing us to add value to your day. Thanks, guys. Bye. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And for more information on the Servant Leadership Institute, visit us on our website. That's www.servantleadershipinstitute.com. And registration is now open for our 2018 Servant Leadership Conference titled Shift into Drive. On stage, we have the pleasure of having presentations by our founder, Art Barter, as well as Mark Miller, VP of Training and Development for Chick-fil-A. Returning from last year, we have Vicki Clark and also Ken Blanchard, with more speakers to be announced soon. The conference will be held at the Marriott Marquis in San Diego, California, February 19th and 20th, with a complimentary networking event February 18th. And you can also subscribe now to receive our weekly tips by going onto our website. These are great short tips that are intended to challenge and motivate you while you are going through your servant leadership journey. And finally, we would love you to grab a copy of our latest publication, The Servant Leadership Journal, written by SLI founder and CEO Art Barter. This is an 18-week journey to transform you and your organization, available now on our website and on Amazon.com. Thank you for listening and allowing us to add value to your day. 